This was the first time that I had ever been abroad. I knew that the German people were a formidable nation, and this made me very curious about them. Germany was a pillar of the two things that mattered to me most in life, science and music. This was the nation of Bach, Mozart and Beethoven, of Planck, Einstein and Heisenberg. Annalisa seemed to bear out the notion that the Germans were a nation well-stocked with blonde hair and blue eyes, and yet with some variation, for her hair, which was beautifully thick and luxuriant, was fair rather than blonde, and her eyes, which were grey-blue, also had a curious watchfulness about them. The only words of German that I knew had been picked up from childhood comic books about the Second World War, when pressed by my newfound German friends to say a few words in their language, I could only shout a Hand hoch, Englischer Schweinhund, to their immense amusement. Annalisa could slowly string together basic English sentences, but that was infinitely more than I could do in Die Deutsche Sprache. Despite the fact that we knew so little of each other's language, we seemed to resonate emotionally. We were happy in one another's company. We communicated more through looks, smiles, gestures, pointing, and just being able to enjoy walks in the beauty of the Swedish countryside together than through words. Annalisa remarked on this herself in her published reflections on the conference. Do I need to tell you that I was soon in love? Yet I was far too timid to tell Annalisa that I desired her. I was daunted by the doubly difficult task of finding the right words. Annalisa asked me, at the end of the festivities, whether she could sit next to me on the coach that would take us back from the small Swedish town of Malmköping to Hamburg. I was so elated that I almost floated away over the lake like a hot air balloon. But as we sped through the forests of Sweden, on our way to the Malmö ferry, I did not dare to take her hand. Of course, I wanted to kiss her when, eventually in Hamburg, we parted, She's setting off for Berlin and I for Rotterdam, but again I did not dare. When I got home to England, the first thing I did was to write to Annalisa and ask her if I could go and see her in Berlin. She replied quickly, saying, but of course I could, as long as I didn't mind sleeping in her tiny little room. After a few weeks at home in Lancashire, I went back to Cambridge and picked up the threads of my applied mathematics degree. I was trying to master Dirac's bracket notation for quantum mechanics at the same time as pondering the far more difficult question of how to declare my love for Annalisa. I was finally inspired to be brave one night by Mozart. I was sitting at my desk in college, gazing out over the dark graveyard beyond my window, listening to the great man's Symphonia Concentanti in E-flat on my plastic record player. There is a passage in the first movement in, in which the violins lead the orchestra with growing boldness and excitement, in a thrilling ascent of some high mountain of desire, and this resolved me to declare myself. I picked up my pen with passionate determination to win Annalisa, but could only bring myself to write, Du bist sehr schön. Oh, went out glumly into the chilly night and thrust the letter into the post box just outside Pembroke over the road. In those days, Student grants were generous, and I saved up a lot of money to buy an air ticket to Berlin. However, I allowed my father to dissuade me from going. His arguments were dull ones about the cost of travel and 
in view of how quickly I might outstay my welcome with Annalise's family, the, the cost of accommodation. It now seems incredible that I was dissuaded by this essay in pessimism. Young men should always disregard at least two-thirds of what their fathers say. How I wish that I had seized my chance to go and see Annalisa in Neukölln, the suburb of Berlin where she lived, before her life was so cruelly stopped. Annalisa was keen to travel before going to university. She spent many months working in the United States. Then, to my surprise, she wrote in 1980, asking if she could come and stay with me for a few days while she toured the United Kingdom on a rail pass. I accepted with pleasure. I persuaded my employer, a nuclear engineering company, to, to give me a week off at relatively short notice. I tidied up my little terraced house in readiness. I decided to give her my bed and I would sleep on a sofa in the front room downstairs.